Brian McClanahan Show, episode 422. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClendon Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. You can find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com, where it's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do enroll, 10 Myths of American History, and the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. As you're listening to this, I have a deal running right now. So if you're on my email list, whether at McClanahan Academy or at brianmcclanahan.com, you've got the coupon for it. It expires at the end of March, 12 p.m., March 31st. So you're going to want to get those deals if you can, if you get this before March 31st. You can also support the show by going to brianmcclanahan.com, clicking on that support tab. You can throw a few pennies my way. You get a book plate if you want my autograph of one of my books. You can also purchase one of my books. My latest is Southern Scribbling, 60 Essays in Defense of the Southern Tradition. It's a great uh, collection of essays. And, of course, buying one of those books helps keep this show free of charge. You can also go to Learn True, T-R-U-E, LearnTrueHistory.com. That's my affiliate link for Tom Wizzleby Classroom. Lots of great ways to support the show, but the best way, if you don't want to do it financially, is to simply rate this podcast wherever you get podcasts. Let people know you're listening to it. Share it around on social media. Get people thinking locally and acting locally because that's how we turn this big monstrosity around that is, of course, a major problem in America today. That is the central authority. So in the last episode, I talked about the general government and conservatism and whatever that means. And this essay, and this, uh, I'm sorry, uh, podcast, I'm going to talk about an essay that was published at justthenews.com. It's a great website, justthenews.com. If you've read the Drudge Report for years, which I think most people have, if you've been a libertarian conservative, you've read the Drudge Report. Well, Drudge has become much more establishment. I think he always was. I mean, look, Matt Drudge was always more establishment than people realized. He's always been kind of a you know progressive conservative, uh, when you say that, whatever that means, but a compassionate conservative, you know, kind of a Bush conservative. That's what he is. So justthenews.com is what Drudge Report was for a time, which is an aggregate of news stories. And it has generally a conservative slant, though not always. But they do some pretty good stuff in this particular article I found on homeschooling. Now, I want to talk about this and some transformational things that are taking place in America today. And some of this stuff has to do with the covid response by the government, but also because of what's going on in American politics. So first and foremost, when we had all the shutdowns take place over COVID, uh, school children went home, of course, and that created a situation where parents had to figure out how to keep their kids going in their educational uh, pursuits and their studies at home. And so essentially everybody in America became a homeschooler at least for a brief amount of time. This was, in some ways, the biggest boon to homeschooling that ever happened. Now, there's, there could be a downside to this, ultimately. 
And I'll talk about that too. But everyone went home. And so everyone became a homeschooler and parents had to figure out how to, how to make this work. Now, full disclosure, uh, my family has been a homeschooling family for the entire educational career of all of my children. And that's spanning now well over a decade. And so we've been doing this and know the pitfalls and know the goods and the bad and all the things that come with it. And there, there are good and bad things about homeschooling. Uh, and this is opening this door now to so many more Americans. And they're trying to figure out if this is a path they want to go. So with the advent of Zoom and online learning and everything else that's going on, we've seen this now, the growth of these things in... Um, in many different ways in the last decade. McClanahan Academy essentially is an outgrowth of that. So was Learn True History, Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. They're also an outgrowth of online continuing, ed continuing education. Now, most of my classes are aimed at college students or higher continuing education. But um, the U.S. history courses that I offer, if you're an advanced high school student, you can take them. And you can, you can do well in them. But they're designed to be for someone who is ready to take another step. Now that said, all of those things now working with the home education, continuing education environment, I mean, people are doing this in so many different ways. It's not just about history or economics or philosophy, but it's things like uh, you go on, people have built entire houses watching YouTube, and they've learned how to fix vehicles. They've learned how to do all kinds of things watching YouTube. It is the proliferation of educational material that's been one of the most impressive things about the Internet. Now, of course, we all know the downside of the Internet. Social media certainly can be a problem with censorship and other things. It can also be a problem of what people get exposed to. But those are choices that people make, generally as adults. And so we have now the educational environment opened up. I couldn't do what I do now. I mean, I... I if I would just rely on college instruction, I would see you know, a couple hundred students a year, maybe. And um, that would, I mean, okay, over, over a 20-year career, a 30-year career, you see a couple hundred a year, you're seeing a lot of people. A lot of people will come through your classroom, and of course, they can then influence other people. But generally, a college class, you take it, you forget about it. I mean, uh, I, as a history instructor. I, I can remember a lot of my history classes, but a lot of the other classes, I mean, there might be one here or there. It's like, oh yeah, that class is cool, or I like that, or I learned something out of that. But a lot of times you take it and it it leaves you because you don't really ever use that material. And that's the same thing for most people with history. But people become interested in history as they get older. And the internet has allowed me to have students, and I know a lot of you are listening to this podcast, you consider yourself one of my students, has allowed me to have students that I wouldn't have had otherwise because of media, because of whether it's social media, a podcast, a McClanahan Academy, you know, Learn True History, whatever it is, you've come across me somewhere else and you want to hear what I have to say about things. So homeschooling is the same way because it's allowed students not to have to go to the indoctrination center in their town. Maybe it's saturated with critical race theory, and this is what I'm going to get into the other part of homeschooling. I want to read this article because I get into some of this stuff. Maybe it's critical race theory. Maybe it's uh, you know whatever leftist agenda they're doing at that particular point. Maybe it's just bad economics. Maybe it's bad history. Maybe they're teaching something that you just don't agree with, 
And so homeschooling has allowed parents, and initially it was Christians generally who wanted to get out of the system because Christianity had been completely removed from the public education environment. And maybe they couldn't afford to send their kids to a private Christian school. Some of those schools even have the same problems as public schools. Maybe it's some other social interaction that's a problem. And again, these are decisions that parents have made for years. But now more parents have been exposed to the home education environment. So they're taking it seriously as a potential solution to some of these things that they are seeing. Generally, you have to try to have a situation where one parent can be at home, one parent can be around to facilitate. If you're going to do things in a much more structured environment, as some parents with homeschooling don't do any of that, it depends on the educational view of the people involved. I do think that people need to be careful and not abuse the freedom of homeschooling, which would be kids not being prepared when they get to higher education and other things, because that can be a problem as well. And I think that is where the danger of more and more people homeschooling will be that the state is going to get more involved to start regulating this stuff. Now, some states already do that. Some states don't. It depends on where you are. But certainly, if, if people don't actually do anything and don't make their kids learn stuff, and I, I'll never forget, I had a, had a homeschool student who was a, uh, a student of mine in, in college, and uh, she said that you know, her history education as a homeschooler involved you know, watching the History Channel. That's all her parents, just go watch the History Channel. Well, is that a real history education? Are you getting anything out of that? Certainly, you watch the videos on the History Channel. You can learn a few things, and you know. But are you being tested on this stuff? Are you learning to write? Are you learning to do anything that would involve a real education? Even when you go back to the founding generation, and I point this out in my books, they were largely homeschooled. But what did that mean? They were instructed on things to read. They were they were supposed to read the Greeks and the Romans. They'd learned Latin. They learned Greek. They might have learned Hebrew. They. Um, Many of them became biblical scholars based on some theological instruction. They dabbled in mathematics and science and rhetoric and poetry and other things. These are things they learned. They read Shakespeare. They had to read this stuff, and reading is the core. There are some homeschool uh, curricula that uh, is centered on reading. One of the most uh, famous is the Sunlight curricula, which is essentially uh, it's just a, a bunch of books, and of course, there's a spine to it. You, parents are given facilitator notes on what to ask your kids about these books. But they assign a whole bunch of reading, and that's what you do. It's literature, history, geography, and other things. So that is a, a, a way to do it. It's you know, classical education. You learn rote memorization. You learn some of these things. There's all kinds of different ways to homeschool. And parents are dabbling with this stuff now. You can go with a traditional method where you get a, a curricula where you have textbooks and other things, and you do you work that way. All kinds of ways to do this. But parents are figuring out that the state education system is a problem for kids a lot of times because it's the John Dewey system which put schools and institutions first and parents and families second. That was the entire design. In fact, Dewey called them laboratories. And I talk about this in my Politically Incorrect Guide to Real American Heroes when I have the anti-hero section, and John Dewey is in that section. It's a great book, by the way. You want to pick that one up, too. So I've got uh, some thoughts about this, about homeschooling. And I want to read this article because it gets into some of these things uh, of you know the, the benefits and burdens of homeschooling. It's a short read, 
But the title is Homeschooling Numbers Soar Amid Continued School Closings Signaling Post-Pandemic Resilience. So it was thought that once the pandemic was over, then people would just send their kids back to school. They'd send them, well, that's not necessarily happening. And my wife and I were actually having a conversation about this. She is doing, she's in a lot of homeschooling circles. She said, there's a lot of parents now looking into uh, homeschooling more than there's ever been. She's seeing it, a surge in people looking into this. The, uh, the curricula we use, um, the, some of the salespeople are saying this. You know, they're seeing a surge in people ordering materials, and that's creating a backlog on some of this stuff for the next year. So this is a big deal. This is not something that's going to go away. I don't know how long it's going to last, but certainly people are saying, you know, we did this for eight months, six months. It went okay. Let's try to find a curriculum. We don't have to send our kids back to that school for a variety of reasons. And we can do this, and uh, it will end up being okay. Parents in the U.S. are continuing to show elevated interest in homeschooling, signaling a potential surge as the future of institutional in-person schooling throughout the country remains unclear in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Some of it, I mean, places where schools are already open, parents are still considering it because they just don't, whether it's comfortable sending their kids back to school for whatever reason they think that they could get sick, or it's, you know, we did this here and it turned out okay and the kids liked it better, um, we can we can do this. We can come up with a curriculum. We can do these things. That's part of it. Beginning just over a year ago, schools throughout the country began to close down for fears that school children might contribute to the spread of COVID-19. Most school districts switched to virtual learning mo- models in which students studied lessons via Zoom-based instruction, with many of them required to sit in front of a computer screen for long hours every day. Interest in homeschooling shot up late last year, particularly as teachers nationwide were refusing to return to classrooms and in-person education in the winter and spring of 2021 appeared less likely. Some schools across the country have since opened for in-person instruction, yet homeschooling leaders across the country are reporting still elevated homeschool activity from parents who in normal years would likely not have considered it. And then you get a part of this, which I think is interesting because it... um, has a quote, the motivation for homeschooling is changing. Johannes Ziegler, the founder and CEO of the home instruction company Me Academy, said he absolutely expects interest in homeschooling to remain elevated above its earlier levels. I I think this is true. I think he's exactly right about this. I think people are looking at alternatives for schooling. They want to figure something out. A lot of it has to do with the soft sciences history, philosophy, economics. The real challenge in homeschooling is the hard things like math and science, but there are some curricula that have done this well and your kids can learn at home. It does involve parental involvement. Uh, the other downside, of course, to homeschooling is the social interaction of children. That is, a, that is a challenge for anyone in homeschooling. How do you get your kids around other kids? How do you get your kids around like-minded kids? How do you do these things? which can be difficult as well. The reason that the motivation for homeschooling is changing, he said, it used to be a few years ago that a very large share of homeschoolers were homeschooling for religious reasons and other worldviews. The shift began prior to COVID and is big time now. Again, this is true, right? A lot of people on the right, conservatives, are frustrated by the leftist slant of their institutions, 
whether they're public or private, it doesn't matter. You're seeing it all over the United States. So they've started to look for ways that they can simply keep their kids away from that kind of stuff. Beyond the immediate need of schools closing, more and more people are dissatisfied with the experience in public schools and are homeschooling for very pragmatic reasons. He, called, he cited bullying and negative experiences associated with schools as two motivators. And this is, you, you talk to homeschoolers and they will cite these things. My kids were picked on in school or um, we didn't want them to have to be around that or uh, our kids were getting you know, uh, critical race theory instruction or wherever it was. We just didn't want that. For our kids, we didn't think that was right. Or their education was completely left-leaning. We didn't want to be taught that Karl Marx was the greatest political thinker in the history of the world. I mean, these are things that people will talk about. And so they're looking for a conservative alternative, or a libertarian alternative, or a Christian alternative, whatever it is. They're looking for an alternative that fits their worldview. Because parents that care realize that schools can change the worldview of their kids. And that's by design. It's by design. John Dewey said it. The school was going to replace the parents. And when you take these little minds of mush and you tell them things, this is what they believe. And then sometimes they get out of that as they get older. Parents still have an influence, of course. And kids will, will rebel against that for a time and then all, a lot of times come back to it. But they want to cut out that rebellion period where they're not rebelling against traditional views and other things. John Edelson, the founder and president of Time for Learning, echoed the assessment. What typically happens is parents decide to homeschool in a bad situation, like in the pandemic, he said. What they find is that they like it and that their children thrive. Everyone that ever went to a public school knows that a lot of your time is wasted in a public school. You don't do a lot of things. I mean, there are some people that work hard and they go through it, but a lot of kids can simply skirt by. And again, they're not pushed. Or if they skirt by enough, they think, ah, I'll get a C. It doesn't matter. I'll get that. No big deal. Maybe they're not driven because of a degree in college or something else, or maybe the parents don't drive them as much. Whatever it is, there's lazy, whatever the factor, whatever going is going on there. There's a lot of downtime. And kids, because of peer pressure and other things, you know, it's not cool to be smart. It's not cool to be a nerd. It's cool to be kind of a slacker. It's, I mean, this is the culture of America. It's cool to be those things. So it's more you're most socially involved in things. Well, I don't really care as much about learning physics or learning uh, calculus. Those things aren't cool. But, uh, you know, hanging out with your friends is cool. So you're, gonna, you're just not going to pay attention to those things as much. Well, if you're homeschooling, you don't have that other, you don't have that thing going on there. You're, you're focused on the education. Ed Edelson said homeschooling families often go through a period of adjustment when they first begin. All the parents start with great trepidation, he said. People are scared of homeschooling. They don't know if they can do it. Once they get acclimated to a curriculum and begin making connections in the community, they often decide to do it for a second or third year, he said. Sometimes that's about it. Sometimes parents just do it for a few years and they're on to something else. Sometimes they do it for life. Sometimes they do it for a while and send the kids to school because, for again, for a variety of reasons, kids will go to school. 
it's not easy. I mean, homeschooling is not an easy thing to do. I think that's something that needs to be dispelled. Other states, by the way, this is a Think Locally, Act Locally episode in a lot of ways because some states are doing things now where they're trying to get the money to follow the children. You know, you can get money if you're a homeschooler from the state because you're not using the resources that the state has provided. Other schools, other states let you use the resources for extracurricular activities and other things as a homeschooler. So these, there's a lot of interesting dynamics going on here, and this gets down to the core of what you can do, and that's your children, to try to influence the next generation of people. That trend has been predicted elsewhere. Hamilton Lombard, a research, research specialist at the University of Virginia, Virginia's Weldon Cooper Center for Public Service, estimated in September that while many students will return to institutional school after the pandemic, the share of Virginians who work from home or homeschool will undoubtedly be even higher than was predicted before the pandemic. Not every parent plans to continue with homeschooling. Maryland resident Giordana Segneri said she opted to place her six-year-old in a homeschool program after he was forced to sit tethered to a screen as part of a local virtual schooling arrangement. Her son turned eager and enthusiastic about learning again after making the switch, she said. There were a lot of negative emotions and behaviors surrounding virtual schooling in the fall, she said. A sense of calm has settled in since we started homeschooling, and a lot of that is due to the flexibility. Still, she added, once things go back to normal and I return to the office full-time, it just won't be feasible. The goal for a son this year, she said, was to get him through the rest of the academic year in a way that would challenge and engage him, capitalizing on the flexibility we have while working from home. The family has seen remarkable leaps in his comprehension and academic skills since we started homeschooling. And we hope that will serve him well when he returns in-person school. This is something that people don't get. The more you have centered instruction, the more people learn. Again, when you're in a classroom of 30, and oftentimes classrooms are overcrowded, kids don't get central, they don't get individual instruction. They're just kind of lost in these things. They don't understand stuff. They can't, the teacher has got 30 students to tend to, or 60 students, maybe they got two classes, whatever it is, and there's not a whole lot of time there for individual students, but in a homeschool, much more smaller environment, you get more of that. You feel like the people are talking to you. Marie Williams in southern Georgia suggested it could go one way or the other for her, for her family in the fall. Williams said she pulled her children out of the local schools due to concerns over COVID-19 transmission. The schools in our area didn't do a mask mandate, she said. She said homeschooling allowed her to tailor her daughter's education to their respective skill levels, including via the tools offered in the Time for Learning curriculum. In the fall, however, she's not certain what will happen. That's been a conversation between me and my husband, she said. My girls, they simply love school. They're teachers' pets. They love the social interaction. That last quote, students that like the socialization of it all, maybe have problems with the homeschooling environment at times. If they came to me and said, I don't want to go back to school, I would continue homeschooling. Without a shadow of doubt, she said. But my girls will probably go back unless the numbers in my area go back up because we have a high-risk family member. Though many students may indeed end up returning to institutional schooling, industry-wide numbers continue to indicate strong future growth. A representative with the online education company OutSchools said that the company has seen 2,000% growth since last year. We expect that the interest in our unique offering will remain even as schools open up, the company said. Catherine Hayes, a spokeswoman for the curriculum company Oak Meadows, said that they expect interest to stay high even into next school year. The distance learning school side of our business is seeing a very clear interest in fall enrollment, she said. Applications to our distance learning school are up by 186%, and almost all the families applying now are looking to begin this summer or in the early fall. John Edelson predicted homeschooling is poised for a new and unexpected renaissance. I think the future for homeschooling is really bright, he said. All the grown-ups have learned during the pandemic that work is something that you do, not somewhere that you go. 
and that has led many of them to rethink traditional schooling models as well. Parents are realizing that sending their kids to school is not necessarily the best education. This is opening up all sorts of new thinking on education. That's 100% correct. I think people are rethinking everything in this pandemic world. What do I really need to do? Do they really need to go somewhere? I mean, and again, there are, there are, there's pros and cons in all these things. But the point of all of this is thinking locally and acting locally. What that is doing now for the world, when we're thinking locally and acting locally, we're focusing on children, we're focusing on the things we can control, local government, reacting to that. I've, I've talked about this a lot. I've got a friend of mine from where I grew up now fighting at the local level to try to get things reopened because he's in a state that's very restrictive. And so he's doing a lot of uh, community involvement, trying to get with business leaders and other people, trying to have them push back against the government to open things back up because that's your first line of defense. Without question, the people that you're around every day, the government that you're under every day is your local government. It's your city government. It's your state government. The federal government hasn't shut anything down in any way. It's been the states that have all done it. So some people live in states that have been relatively open. I see we have an outdoor mask. I haven't lived in the state I live has never had an outdoor mask mandate ever. So people have been able to go around to parks and hiking trails and all kinds of stuff all day. The beach, it's never mattered. It's never mattered. You go into a store, you go in, but uh, even in this state that my friend lives in, um, when you go to a restaurant, you're supposed to keep your mask on, take it down to chew, and then put it back up. I mean, how ridiculous is this? The state, they're supposed to wear a mask when you walk in the restaurant, and then you take it off when you're sitting at your table and you eat. There's no transmission from, from eating. None. I mean, these are things that people have figured out, and so following the science leads you to that. But these are, these are local issues. Schooling is a local issue. What's best for your family? putting it back into your hands. Now, again, the state is going to start looking at this because they lose money when people don't go to public schools. This is why some states are now saying, fine, if it costs $3,000 to educate your child, we'll give you that $3,000 and you can do whatever you want with it. You can send them to a private school. You can send them to a public school. You can, you can homeschool them, which is what should happen. The money should follow the kid, not the school. And so if a school, a bad school, is not doing its job, it's awful, well, then it's not going to get as much money. And the kids can do what they want. This, this is the voucher. I mean, it's basically a voucher system. But if you live in an area with bad schools and you got 3000 bucks, maybe you can send your kids to a private school, do a little better. Now, we all know once that starts happening, the downside of that, of course, is that schools will raise their tuition rates. If their tuition was $5,000 before for a year, now they know they got 3000 guaranteed, well, they'll raise it to $8,000. And they'll do it in a way to try to get more money out of it because they know they got guaranteed money. It's what colleges and uh, universities do. They've got guaranteed money. So you'll see it at least that, if not more, on that guaranteed money. Uh, which is, again, you'll see a lot of kids to start using that money back in the public schools. So if the parents can't homeschool. But there's a lot of stuff going on here. This is all public policy stuff at the local level, at the state level. These are things that people are thinking about, people thinking about in their own homes, what they can do to try to get people interested in stuff. I tell people all the time, they ask me about my McClanahan Academy courses. They're great, and they're a good supplement. They're things you can use. Uh, my, I mean, I've had uh, my oldest daughter use them uh, in the history curriculum. So, I mean, there are things you can use uh, to try to get people an alternative view of American education. 
And I think people are really starting to think about that. So I really like this article because it opened a lot of questions and, you know, people have about things um, and uh, where, where the future of American education, American work, all these things are really centered as we move forward in the post-COVID world. So anyways, again, a good Think Locally, Act Locally episode. I hope you enjoy it. I'll see you next time for the next one. See you then.